You know, it seems like that there's some common things that people are afraid of, humans are afraid of. Uh, for instance, uh, some people, a lot of humans are afraid of heights and uh, afraid of darkness. Um, some people are afraid of, of snakes. hate snakes. Give me the willies. Um, some people are afraid of uh, clowns. Uh, that kind of freaks me out a little bit, too. Uh, it's funny. It's funny the things that we're afraid of. But when, when they do research, uh, there's one thing that stands out above all other fears. And you've probably heard this before, but it, it even is a bigger fear than death. Anybody know what it is? Public speaking. Public speaking. There are some people that would rather die than speak in public. And, and there's, a re- there's a reason for that. I think it's the fear, that the same fear that I had the first time that I, I gave a message. So uh, when I was in, I think I was a junior, senior uh, in my uh, Christian college, and I was headed towards ministry, and I met this, uh, this uh, pastor who had a church right down the street from our college. It was a little free Methodist church. And uh, we got to talking one day. He was a surfer like myself. I actually met him when I was surfing in Santa Cruz and and uh, the, back in the 1970s, mid-70s, that was kind of really way cool that a, surf, that a pastor would actually serve. So I was kind of inspired by him. And he said, hey, why don't, why don't you come and, and speak at my church? And, and so I said, okay. And then after I said it and went home I, or back to my dorm, I was like, wow, what did I just do? I've never preached a sermon in my life. And, and so, but I prepared the very best that I could. And I put a suit on, the only suit that I owned. And I showed up that Sunday ready to, to speak for the very first time, to give my, preach my very first message. And uh, I, I, I got to tell you, it, it, was, it was really scary. This, this church, was, it was kind of a hippie church, and um, so I, I, it was not a lot of order to it. Let me just put it that way. And so I'm a little freaked out by what's going on already. And, and so right before I'm going to go up and speak, they have this, this gal come up with a guitar, and, and she, she plays this song, and she's got a great voice, and she's doing well, but at some point she forgets the words, and she runs off the stage crying. And I'm up next. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, wow. So I'm, I was already nervous. Now I'm doubly nervous as I follow this up. Uh, and, and so I, I preached. Now, this is, this is how dumb I was. Uh, I preached on probably one of the most difficult passages in the entire New Testament. And I didn't have any handle on the, the Scripture at all. I just thought, well, hey, you know, if we're going to preach, let's go big, you know, right? So, so I, I'm preaching, and about, you know, I don't get very far into the message, and I realize I have no idea what I'm talking about, but I'm, I'm up here, you know, and just spitting words off, and uh, at some point, I see a hand in the back. Like, so um, I'm like, wow, so now somebody's going to ask me a question. And, you know, there's like 40, 40, maybe 50 people in this church, and so finally, I couldn't ignore the hand anymore, and I, and I said, uh, yeah, yeah. And he said, hey, and, and he asked me a question uh, about the, the sermon, and I, had, I couldn't answer Well, I tried to answer it, and it was just ridiculous. And then he asked me another, he, hey, hey, and he asked me a question after the question, and then I, I was totally exposed. Like, this young man has no idea what he's talking about. So somehow, I got through that message, and I'll never forget, uh, everybody left the building, and it was just me and the pastor, and uh, he said, he handed me a 20. After, this is after they take the offering. And he said, I want you to go to the store next door and get me some change. So I went next door, and I got change, and I brought it back to him. And uh, he handed me a 10. And he said, you know, you deserve to, you deserve to have something for your message. And, and I thought, I almost felt like handing the 10 back to him. So I actually, I actually think I owe you. <laughs> you <know? laughs> the, the message was terrible. But that, that was my first experience in public speaking. 
And, and what I was afraid of was the very thing that happened to me. All my fears were realized. And, and, and that is that I, I probably wasn't really rejected. They just probably thought I was pretty dumb and young. But, but I felt rejection. In, in my mind, it was like, ah. It's, it's one of the primal fears that we have, that, that we're going to be rejected by people. And that's why so many people are afraid to speak. They go, I don't, I don't want anybody to think I'm dumb or anything like that. So the loudest voice in the universe doesn't think you're dumb. In fact, the loudest voice in the universe shows you, and this is something that we're going to really zero in on today, the loudest voice in the universe, which is God's voice, louder than anybody else's voice, shows you. You're not random. You're not just a mistake. You're, you're not an afterthought. You know, it, it wasn't like one day your parents, whoever your parents were, you know, kind of gave each other that look and, and uh, you know, um, it happened, and then you were born, and God was going, oh my gosh, I can't believe that happened, you know, and then, oh, she's pregnant now? How did that happen? No, we're going to discover that you, the Bible says, before the foundation of the world, God had you in mind, and maybe all the circumstances of your life have told you different, have made you feel different, but that's not true, so I want you to open your Bible. If you have your Bibles, would you please turn to the book of Ephesians? It's in the New Testament if you're new to the Bible. And we've been in this particular chapter, actually in these verses, but we're just going to look at a few of these verses today. We're going to read verses uh, 4 through 6. Here's what it says. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world. Let me just pause for a moment. Let it soak in. For he chose us in him before he even created the world. To be holy and blameless in his sight. We'll kind of explain that as we go along. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship or daughtership through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given to us and the one he loves. And the one he loves. So we're going we're to explore that a little bit. What, what, is, what does that all mean? For he, cho- we, this, for he chose us before the creation of the world. It, it's really special when you get chosen by somebody of significance. When you get chosen by somebody that is honored and revered and you're like, they, they chose me. I had this privilege when I was... Uh, uh, a senior in high school, I was running the league finals, and my, my specialty was the 400. And uh, at, at league finals, and I was in a stadium, and there were hundreds of people, and I would really prepared for this race. And uh, not only did I win the race, but I set a record, and so I was feeling really good. I'm like, wow, I just set a record. And, and uh, this coach walked up to me, who was a renowned coach. He actually had uh, coached for the former Olympics, and he was a sprint coach for that Olympic team. And I knew who he was. As he was coming to me, I thought, is he actually coming towards me? And he came up to me, and he introduced himself to me, and he knew my name. And I thought, wow, this dude actually knows who I am? It just kind of blew me away. And he said, hi, Steve. And we started talking. He said, good race, man, good race. And I, I said, well, well, thank you. And, and he said, hey, um, I was watching you. He said, but you see, and he just started being really complimentary. He goes, you got a beautiful stride and said a few other things. And, and then he said something that just took it to a whole different level. He says, I'd like to coach you. He goes, I believe that you could be a great college runner. I was on top of the moon. Why? Because an Olympic coach 
chose me. Me. Little old Steve Bombacci. And I never did get to fulfill that dream because right about the time that I was, you know, wanted to do that, God did something in my life and we took a different radical turn and moved towards ministry. So I, I never got to realize, but, but in that moment, it was, it was one of the greatest feelings that I ever had because I was chosen. And this is what the Apostle Paul is trying to say. He says, you were chosen by God for a purpose. That's why it's so important for us to embrace God's view of who we are. So much of what we've been saying today is, you know, a lot of times we see ourselves through the eyes of maybe our parents or the significant people in our life or maybe the experiences that we had in life. And sometimes it's all negative. It's like, yeah, yeah, if you were to ask me where I am today or how I might see myself, a lot of us, it's like, well, I don't know, because we're, we're seeing it through the lens. We're seeing ourselves through the lens of other people as opposed to how God sees you. So, folks, if you go to this church, we're biblical. From, from, from Genesis to Revelation, we're, we're, we're biblical, and we believe what God says about us. And if you believe what God says about you, you're going to feel probably a lot better about yourself than, than maybe what other people are saying about you. So what God gives us, and this is the three things we're going to look at today, the first thing that we're going to see is that God gives us, because he chose, he gives us grace. The, de- the technical definition of grace is unmerited favor, or a better way of saying it is God gives us what we don't deserve. God says, you know, you're kind of messy and broken, and, and uh, you can sometimes be kind of evil, but in spite of all of that, uh, I'm, I'm going to give you grace. I'm going to give you what you don't deserve. And so in, in verse 6, he says, to the praise and of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us and the one that he loves. Now, this is, this is what's really important about this verse right here. It's about who actually wrote this. And the Apostle Paul wrote this. Now, here's what you need to know about the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul, prior to having his encounter with Jesus Christ, knew nothing of grace in his life. Grace was not in his vocabulary. Law was. And if you knew the story, his, his former name was Saul. If you knew young Saul as he was growing up, and the ways of Judaism and the law, and 613 of those laws that had been passed down to him from the Mosaic Torah, and he understood that perfectly, and he was a leader, he was a teacher, he was a rabbi, and he was excelling, and he had a lot of zeal, but there was no grace in his life. Had you met Saul back in the day, you, you might have thought, wow, he's smart, and uh, he's, he's zealous, and, and uh, he's an aspiring person in his faith, but man, there is no grace in this dude, and there wasn't. Because in the way that Paul saw the world, in fact, the people in his day, if you were a Jew, the way to please God was to keep the law perfectly, perfectly. So grace didn't play into that. And then one day, Saul has an encounter with Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus, and everything changes. And from that time forward, the word grace would be a word that would be very prominent in the language of Paul. In fact, nobody talks about grace more than Paul. Nobody explains grace more than Paul. But it's like Paul can't get over it. He goes, grace, 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 because all he knew was law, and now he knows the God of grace. And he explains it over and over in all of his teachings. So God's grace is, is it's not reserved for the good people. That's one of the things that Paul teaches. Why? Because the Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short. In other words, we, none of us meet the standard of God. By the way, um, God has a really high standard. But he looks at us and he goes, the standard's really unreachable for you because you're broken. 
All of humanity from the day the curse began, when our original parents sinned, there's been this sin issue, this evil, this problem that all of us have, and we struggle with it. And so God's grace is him saying, I get you. I understand you. In fact, I sent my son in the world to be one of you. And when he lived among you, well, he really got it. He knew what it was like to have a bad day. He knew what it was like to, 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 to have the common struggles that you have. Therefore, I give you grace, and I choose you. That's why you're never too hurt to experience God's healing. That's a dimension of grace. Here's another dimension of grace. You're never too flawed to experience God's forgiveness, and you're never too lost to experience God's love. What does grace look like? I think one of the very best examples is the day that Jesus was crucified. And he's on the cross, and there's a criminal, one on either side of him. And in Matthew's version, both criminals are just like spewing hatred out towards Jesus. We don't know what they were saying, but it wasn't good. It was really bad. But if you go to the book of Luke, his encounter, his account of this says that one of those criminals changed their mind. And at some point, one of those criminals looked over at Jesus and said, Hey, Jesus, will you remember me when you come into your kingdom? Something about what was going on, he saw in Jesus that maybe he actually was the Messiah. And, And Jesus didn't look at him and go, You know what? Word on the street is you've been a thief all your life, a criminal. Sorry, dude, can't get in. He looked at this guy who had indeed been a criminal all of his life, been a thief, known as a thief, being crucified for being a thief, and he said, you know what? Today, you're going to be with me in paradise. You're going to get to go to heaven. That's a beautiful picture of grace. And that's what God wants to extend to each one of us. You know, I love the fact that, that God didn't see how we turn out and then go, okay, you're a keeper. As a matter of fact, I don't think I would have made the cut. I don't think a lot of us would have made the cut. But that's not the way that God viewed it. He just said, I knew you before the foundation of the world, and you've always been a keeper. Oh, you might have misbehaved. You might have gone off and done your own thing for a while. But as far as I'm concerned, I've loved you from the beginning, and I'll love you in the middle, and I'll love you all the way through. You are a keeper, which really speaks to value. God... That gives us great value in a world that sometimes doesn't put a lot of value on human life. In a lot of cultures, sometimes even in our own culture, we see that human life is, is, is minimized. In um, verse 4 and 5, it says, I love that he, pre-, he says, I, in love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. Adoption is really different than. Um, like being born into a family on a biological level, when you think about it. See, like, you were born, most of you were probably, maybe you knew your parents, hopefully you did, maybe you didn't. But you were born into a family, and you didn't get to choose that. You just were born. Like, they're your parents. And your parents looked at you and said, well, that's what we have. (laughs) Right? They didn't get to choose either. So you had this relationship where, you know, hopefully it works out. Hopefully at some point, you know, the parents are going, well, I guess he's an okay kid, and the Kid, as you grew up, you go, well, mom's a little bit crazy, but, you know, I, I think it'll work. Okay? You, you kind of go through that. But, but adoption is completely different. Adoption is like what I know of Karen Adams. Karen Adams goes to um, our East County campus, and she was with us uh, about seven months ago. There was a group of us that went to Papua New Guinea to work with a, with a Bible translator. And I got to know Karen, and I got to hear her story. Now, Karen's 35 years old. 
And she's a, she works as a, a nurse at a, at a, I think it's at a high school over in that area there. And she's just a wonderful person. She's single, but at some point she decided that she wanted to adopt. And so um, she went over to India about uh, almost three years ago, two and a half years ago, something like that. And she met the little girl that she was going to adopt. And this little girl, I think, was somewhere in the neighborhood of six months, maybe to a year old. And so she spent all this money. She went over there, and she said, I, and she just fell in love with this little girl. She said, I, I want to adopt this little girl in, in India. Well, um, almost, almost, actually a little over two years have gone by. And, and there's a lot of uh, red tape, and, and there's a bunch of problems that have happened and so she's gone back to India, and she's come back, and she spent a whole lot of money on this little girl. And it's still, she's still waiting. In fact, I just saw, uh, I saw her Facebook post, I think it was just yesterday, and she's still waiting. And she's somewhat heartbroken. It's going to happen. She's got a lot of people praying for her, but, but it's going to happen. But here's, here's the thing. When that little girl, when she finally, and I know she will, one, one day that little girl's going to come back to America with her. And when that little girl grows up, that little girl is going to know that her mom loves her like nobody could ever love somebody. She was a do- it was a choice. It was a choice she made. She invested all her money, all of her time, all her emotion. She's gone through a lot of pain because of this. But that little girl is going to know she's loved. She was adopted. And that's what God wants us to know. He says, I adopted you into to my family. And and some of you might be thinking, well, why would he need to adopt us? Aren't we all God's children? Well, actually, technically, biblically, no. We are all God's creation. But as we discovered, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, to be God's child is a choice that we have to make. He chooses us, but the question is, do we choose him? And when we choose him, then we become his adopted child. And it's a beautiful thing. He always chooses us, but will we choose him? You know, this word uh, predestined, you probably saw that word, and for some of you, if you have a background in theology, you're thinking, okay, where are we going to go with that word? And we're not going to go very far with it, because it is a word that really tends to trip people up, and, and a little further into Ephesians, we'll, we'll probably talk about it. But, but, but think of it this way. Today, just for the sake of what we're talking about today, think of it as predetermined. That God predetermined that um, you would experience his blessing and his pleasure in, in, in being adopted. Let me, I, let me think, put it this way. Many, many years ago, I met my wife, Karen. And, and we started dating. And about into the year into the process, I, 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 I popped the question. And I said, I, I want to marry you. I want to spend my life with you. I want you to have my children. Um, I, you know... I, I'm all in. I'm all in. And, and so I chose her, but then the next part was she had to choose me, right? Because that's how it works. And so she could have said, well, it's thank you. It, I'm you know, flattered. But uh, actually, I don't choose you. She could have said that. Now, she didn't say that, thank goodness. Um, but she could have. So on a spiritual level, this is when, we, when a person says, um, hey, you know, I, God's saying, I, I choose you. He's not going to kidnap anybody. God, we have free choice, free will. In fact, it's one of the greatest gifts that God has given to us. We get to make up our own mind. And God is never going to lasso anybody and drag them into heaven screaming 
and saying, you're here, now stay here. We get to make the choice. And it's his pleasure. It's his pleasure with me. He uses the word pleasure several times in Ephesians. It's God's great pleasure that we would, he said, I choose you. And then we would say, okay, I choose you too. And we come into this amazing relationship that we have with God. One of the things that we sometimes tend to do is we tend to focus on our faults. And that's why we sometimes feel so bad about ourselves. Maybe you've actually thought, well, how could God actually love me? I'm kind of a mess. I've made some horrible mistakes. I've done some terrible things, maybe even evil things. How could God love me? You know, what God's really looking at, he's not looking for perfection. I think he's, more than anything, he's just looking for participation. Because I, I get you, I know you. I know you're a little messy. I love you. And so I want to have a relationship with you. By the way, I chose you. Um, and I chose you. So hey, don't expect perfection. Just hang in there. Have, have, have a relationship with me. And then God gives us purpose. So he, he, he gives us grace. He gives us value. And then he, he, he gives us purpose. When, when, I think one of the most difficult things, again, is for us to see ourselves the way that God sees us. Because if we could actually see ourselves the way that God sees us, I'm telling you, it would put a spring in our step every day that we got out of bed. We begin to realize all the amazing potential that we have. That God sees it. He sees it every day. He, realized, he goes, oh, you're amazing. You know why you're amazing? Because he created you. Because he preordained so many things about you, the way you look, the way you talk, your voice. He thinks it's cool. He thinks it's awesome. How, you know, it's just so terrible sometimes. You know, I see people and they're like, I don't like myself. Why? I don't like my hair. Really? Actually, God gave you that hair, and he thinks it's great. And I, I don't like this. I, I don't like something about my personality. I don't like that I'm, you know, high-strung or I'm just the opposite. We have all these things, and God's going, <laughs> you know, I, I designed you for a purpose. You're an original. There's never, ever going to be anybody just like you. You're one of a kind. Can you, can you appreciate that, that you're one of a kind? Because for some of us, we just haven't got there yet. You know, we're looking at all the people around us. We go, yeah, I know I am, but I think they look better. I know I am, but they're a little bit smarter. I, I, I know I'm one of a kind, but I, they have more gifts than I have. And, and on and on, all this comparison thing. Stay off social media if it's doing that to you, you know? Makes you feel terrible about yourself. Verse 11, he says, Having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything, in conformity with the purpose of his will. Predestined. He has a plan. He's working it out according to his will. So what, what does that look like? Well, if God, if God knew you before the creation of the world, if we're going to go biblical, we're going to go, okay, God actually had a plan for me before he even created anything else. Wow. And he saw me before he saw anything else. What does that look like? So have you ever thought, I, mean, I was just kind of like stretching my imagination the other day, and I don't know if you ever do this, but I thought, I was thinking of it this way, that God, and I'll just take my life for example, that God knew exactly the century that I'd be born in. He knew the geographical location of the place that I would be born in, that who my family would be, what my heritage would be, um, he, in fact, he knew everything about that. Now, this is how smart God is. So God said, 
So Steve Bombacci will be born at this exact time, this exact place, and I have a skill set I'm going to give him, and I have a certain family I'm going to give him, and that is all going to play out into my greater design, not only for Steve, but for everybody around Steve. Okay? I used to watch this show way back in the day called it The Time Tunnel. Anybody remember The Time Tunnel? It goes way back. All right, we've got some people that remember that. And The Time Tunnel, a couple of guys, and they would go into The Time Tunnel, and they never knew where they were going to end up. They'd end up in the Civil War time or Middle e- medieval ages. or just They'd always end up in some place, and they're like, whoa! And so they're trying to figure some problems out. And it, um, you know, they, usually it was kind of disastrous a lot of times, and they were just trying to get back to when they, their, their real time. And I think sometimes there's a lot of us, maybe we start daydreaming, and we think, I think I was born at the wrong time. I was born at the wrong place, you know? And God goes, no, you weren't. You were born exactly when I wanted you to be born, where I wanted you to be born, with the gifts that I gave you, with everything about you. And the sooner that you realize that, and I realize, the sooner that you'll be able to get up with a sense of purpose and go, okay, I got it. I was actually supposed to be, see, I was born in the same year that Walt Disney started, opened up Disneyland. I think it was to celebrate my birth. <laughs> I, you know. But I think there's a lot to celebrate. All, all of us can find something and say, my life should be celebrated because God celebrates your life. Why? Because he chose you before the foundation of the world. And there's so much that you bring to this world. If you could only see that. If you could only realize that, and, and God tells us over and over and again, so many different ways, and this is in the Message Bible, it says it is in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for, Ephesians 1.11. It is in Christ. Paul says it over again, 216 times, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. So if you're trying to find out who you are through the lens of somebody, a wife, a spouse, a friend, a parent, your employer, your success, you're looking through the, long, the wrong lens. It's it's through Christ. He's the one who shows us who we are, our value, our purpose in this life. That's why a lot of people miss their calling in life because they're following their dreams instead of God's dreams. So for those of you who maybe haven't figured that out yet, how's it going so far? You got your plan. God's got his. Wouldn't it be amazing if you got on board with his plan for your life? When if, just putting it out there, When if for the first time you say, God, I'm going to let you weigh in on this a little bit. And so as I plot my life out and, you know, where I'm going to live and what my education is going to be and what my career is going to be and who I'm going to marry or not marry or or all those kind of things, what if God got to weigh in on that? And what might our life look like? Because God's pretty smart. And I figure if I'm going to get advice, I might as well get... I may, I may as well get the very, very best advice I can get from God. And if he gets to weigh in on my next move, my next decision, I think things are going to go really well. Because he had a great design and plan for my life a long time ago. And I want to move with God in that. I want to step into that plan that he has for my life. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Sometimes people get tripped up on the word holy, The word holy simply means set apart for a purpose. It's a cool word. 
set apart for a purpose. So I, I look at Shane right here, and he says, Shane, he's going to be a big dude, powerful, strong. And, and I have a purpose for his life. He's going to coach the track team over at Point Loma Nazarene College. And he's going to do some great thing. And, and then I look over at a math teacher like Catherine, amazing mind in math. And I, I can look around this room and I can look at, and God says, I have a plan and I have a purpose for your life. And if you fall into that plan, it's going to be so good. You're going to bless so many people. Holy and set apart for a very specific purpose because you're chosen, because God chose you. And, and God wants you to see yourself the way that he sees you. So here, here's, here's the takeaway today. I suspect that there are some of you, and you're still tr- grappling with that. You're like, I, you know, I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm still trying, trying to figure it out. And maybe there's a lie in your head, a lie identity. And God wants you to know who you really are. And you've got those voices, and you've got those experiences so far, and some of those are telling you that you're anything but chosen, and you know, you've screwed things up pretty bad maybe here and there. But here, here's, here's the question. Will you believe the truth about yourself this morning? That God says, you're holy. You're my child. I chose you for a purpose, for a very special purpose. And I want you to realize your amazing potential. The takeaway is, will you believe that? So I'm going to pray with you right now. And I, I believe some people this morning are going to get a little more freedom in their life about that. Jesus was the one who said, you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And my prayer is the truth will set some of you free this morning. Maybe life hasn't gone so well at this point, and you have actually wondered, I just feel like an accident. I I just feel like I just kind of stumbled into this life, and life hasn't gone so well. And God's this morning saying to you, and he says through his word, his word is truth. No, you are anything but an accident. You're chosen. have a plan a purpose for you. Heavenly Father, I pray for my brothers and my sisters today. We all face the common struggles of life, the fears, the letdowns, the things that make us wonder about ourselves and doubt ourselves, And sometimes the things that are maybe even said about us, the hurt that we experience from other people, the rejection. And in light of all of that, Lord, your voice thunders. You were chosen You were chosen for a purpose, set apart with design to make a difference in this world. And my prayer, Lord, this morning is that some of us, our hearts would be open, our minds would be open. The lie would be defeated. An ultimate truth would burst in on our reality as we realize that we were actually chosen, preordained before the The world was even created. You had us in mind. You value us. You give us grace. And we have purpose. Lord, this week, this week, we're all going to be challenged. Happens every day. Get up on Monday. We're challenged. Get on the freeway. We're challenged. Get to work. Get to school. Whatever we're doing, every single day we face that challenge. Who am I? Am I really chosen? God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would enforce in us that indeed we are chosen by you, loved by you for a purpose. In Jesus' name we pray.